definitely human. This is the spoken logbook of Dr. Dorothy Taylor. The trip back to London was tough for all of us. I was just really glad to get away from India. I'm sure it's a lovely place most of the time, but not when you're fighting monster cultists in the jungle. I didn't want to interrupt Joy and Cornelia. It looked like they had a lot to process. And Joy was nursing Cornelia through her malaria recovery. Sebastian had taken a few knocks to the head, though, as usual, so I spent most of the voyage keeping an eye on him. You're worrying over nothing, Dorothy, he said. I'll be fine. I just need a brandy or two to settle the nerves and I'll be right as rain. He was practically swaying when he said this as he walked back to his cabin. Although I don't know whether that was the boat, the repeated concussions, or the alcohol in his system, which I, of course, strongly advised against, but of course he consumed anyway. I left Cornelia Joy and Sebastian in London and traveled on to the States. Joy had been looking at the passports we found in the lost city of Karaja, and they indicate that something big is happening in Antarctica, of all places. But it's been a while since I've spoken to my father, and if the next part of our investigation is going to be as final, as Joy seems to think, then I wanted to see my family beforehand. It's bizarre how much this quest has taken from me. I haven't lost anyone close to me like Cornelia, or been assaulted like Joy, or lost a little of my sanity like Sebastian. But I feel like all my hopes of a normal life, and all the professional success I've sacrificed so much for, all that has been thwarted by this whole business with Angela Grassley. Maybe that makes sense, though. If there really is evil in this world, then it must take the thing you value the most. Well, I got back to Connecticut safely. I haven't told anyone that I'm on sabbatical from work so I can defeat evil. I'm not sure they'd understand. We had a nice catch-up dinner, in which I was forced to leave out all the interesting parts of my life so I wouldn't worry them, and then I spent the evening chatting with Father on the porch, mostly comparing notes about diabetes treatment. I remember going out there to sit with him when I was a child. I'd be reading some picture book on the steps in front of him while he sat in the rocking chair and we'd stay there until the sun went down. It was the same place I told him I was going to be a doctor. I grew up thinking I didn't know what I wanted to do, but when I remember how proud I was of Father whenever someone ran over to the house asking for his help, or when other doctors asked him to consult on a patient, I think I always knew that I wanted that. To be admired and respected like he was. To be useful. I'd sat there for half an hour in silence before I told him I wanted to go to medical school. I was that nervous. This was after the war. Some months after Drake Hall. But the horrors I'd encountered there, an ocean away, seemed so distant and surreal that sometimes I was sure I had dreamed it all up. Some kind of hallucination from the flu, perhaps. And I was able to imagine a life for myself as a doctor. A life that was... scientific, full of solid purpose. But also appealingly mundane and normal, in a way. To be a small-town doctor... I wanted nothing more. When I told my father, he fixed me with one eye and said, To be a doctor? That's a lot of responsibility, Dorothy. And a very difficult road to travel, especially for a woman. Are you sure you wouldn't rather continue to be a nurse? It's a perfectly good profession, and it sounds like you were rather good at it in France. I was hurt. How could he not realize what it meant to me? Did he think so little of me that I should lower my ambitions? Of course, 
I am proud of my service to my country in the Army Nurse Corps, and of course it is a perfectly good profession. But that was not my dream. I held my ground. No, I am going to be a doctor. I know I can do it, even if it is without your support. And Dad's frown melted, and I saw that I had passed a test of some kind. Good for you, Dorothy, he said. He was beaming as he hugged me. You will make a very fine doctor. As I sat on the porch talking with my father for what might be the final time, I felt kind of distanced from myself, like I was observing every detail of the scene and his face, storing up memories for the future, just in case. I made my way up to Toronto to follow up on what Joy found back in London. One of the passports in Carajah suggested its owner, Edward Dillon, might still be alive. I tracked him to the Toronto General Hospital, but they said he'd already been moved to the Toronto Insane Asylum. The asylum was predictably cold and dispiriting. The nurses were surprised to hear me ask for Edward Dillon. Apparently he doesn't have any family, so they didn't expect visitors. They were a little reluctant to let me in to see him, and I started to fear that he might have been mistreated or something. But when they saw I wasn't going to leave, they relented. Dylan was being kept in solitary confinement, which seemed a little unnecessary. The head nurse took me to an unmarked door and opened its window. You'll have to talk through here, she said. We can't allow you inside, even with those pillows on his hands. What? I asked. Why has he got pillows on his hands? She told me, we had to tie them on, Dr. Taylor. It was the only way to stop him tearing his teeth out. Edward was definitely a survivor of the cult. Someone had done this to him. Angela or Talbot or Brendel. Vinny or Peter Fairbank. I wish I could say I got any sense out of him, but it was mostly incoherent rambling about strange lights from the South Pole and pale faces at the window. Edward did recognize the name Little Halkirk, though, the meteorological station in Antarctica that Joy thinks he might have visited. He laughed a little manically when I asked him if he'd been stationed there, but when I said the name Gresley, he backed away into the corner of his room, and then he started biting at the pillows on his hands and crying. I couldn't get any more out of him after that. I'm going to write to Cornelia, Sebastian, and Joy about my findings. It looks inevitable that we will have to make a trip to Little Halkirk. I pray we make it back. 